0: Hi everybody and welcome to our Voices series with Steve Sarowitz on making a peaceful world through unity. My name is Alicia Gupta and I am a Humanity Rising Ambassador. Today I have with me host, philanthropist, and world peace advocate Steve, along with two very special influential leaders who will be covering race unity and what you can do to become more open, understanding, and caring of one another, regardless of race or religion. Our first guest speaker is Mr. William Smith, co-founding executive director of the National Center for Race Amity. Mr. Smith is the producer and co-writer of the award-winning documentary, Invisible Soldiers, Unheard Voices, which aired nationally on PBS. Through his honorable leadership, the NCRA hosts the annual National Race Amity Conference that organizes legislative initiatives. We are also grateful to have with us Mr. David McCullough, Executive Director of the American Exchange Project. David founded a nonprofit that takes the model of a foreign exchange program that applies to towns with different demographics across the United States. Study abroad in your own country, he likes to say. Before we start the presentation, I'd advise everyone to set your video on speaker's view. We are recording this presentation and will be posting it on Spotify shortly after. Feel free to ask questions as the presentation is going on by typing them in the chat and now i'll pass the mic off to steve
1: well welcome everybody tonight um, this is a really important time to have this conversation and it's really important for people of all colors of all religions really everyone in america to stand together uh, we are facing challenging times but we're also in in a wonderful time where a lot of people are asking what can they do to help and I'm, I'm one of them. And I can tell you that I'm very excited. I'm, I'm almost going to be 55 this year and I've never seen a time like this where I'm so hopeful that there might be change, real change, you're watching in the news. Uh, we're seeing a lot of terrible things and, and I feel very badly and uh, as an American, sometimes ashamed to be an American uh, for oh, some man. of the things that, that we see in America, all the terrible racism that we've seen for hundreds of years, but uh, also very heartened by the people I see and hear about who are asking, how can I help? How can I make a change? So many people are looking to do that. And things like the Confederate flag being pulled down, Confederate statues being pulled down, and people acknowledging after, you know, very late, but at least better than never, that some of these things were not America's finest moments. Um, I really want to give Smitty and David uh, the floor a lot today. They really been doing a lot of work. Uh, so, Alicia, I know you want to play a quick video of me if you can do that. Um, I want to welcome my very good friend Beatrice Roberson. And uh, we have a little video of my speech uh, the other day. Uh, and the, I'll explain uh, this was at a, a rally for her son. Her son, I'm very unfortunately, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to say a little bit about her son. Her son Jamel was, I'm six foot six, he was six foot five, he was almost 300 pounds, and he was a hero. Um, a lot of people talk about a good guy with a gun. Jamel was that prototypical good guy with a gun. He was a security guard, a security uh, worker. And he was at a bar and there was an incident at the bar a shooting and his friend was shot. And Jamel rushed in, he, there, another security person had dropped a gun, he picked up that gun and he subdued the shooter and had the shooter on the floor and was calmly um, basically telling them to be calm and everything was gonna be okay. There were many police who were already there on the scene and then a policeman by the name of Ian Covey came in. He saw uh, Jamel's friend who'd been shot multiple times and actually ended up in a coma, barely lived. Um, he pushed him aside and said, all you people are always getting shot. You people are always getting shot. He went in with his, with his AR-15 despite the warnings that Jamel was security and shot Jamel four times in the back, killing him instantly. 18 months later, we still don't have justice. Um, I've been working with Beatrice, with a team to try and help get justice and we're getting closer. But it's very unfortunate that someone like Jamel, who was a, a good young man who played the organ at churches, who was you know, first and foremost a human being, but second of all was really a good human being, has to suffer and this is what we're trying to end. Um, so here is me speaking at the rally and you can hear me what I had to say there. I'm here to show a different colored face. I'm here to show a different colored face because when someone like Jamel is shot, it means something to all of us. We're one human family. And all of those who do say all lives matter need to step up and act like Black Lives Matter. Not just say it, but mean it. And we're at a time of reflection for the entire. Race. all over the world they're demonstrating right now and people who look like me have to stand up with our black brothers and sisters and stand up loudly and stand up often until change happens because we are one family and nobody is saying that white lives don't matter we matter i matter i know i'm white i get it but I have a ton of black friends. And I have children of color. And I have a spouse of color. And I have a very, very good friend. The Beatrice Roberson. And I stand by Jamel. And I don't ask that anybody be put on trial unfairly. But, it's time for he and Kobe, Covey to have his day in court. And the court needs to decide what's right or wrong. Jamel didn't have his day in Mel didn't have the rest of his life because of that night. And how many other young black men have died? It's time to stop it. It's time for us to realize that one of us died. Yeah! Guys, yeah. Us, yeah! We are human beings. Yeah. We need to act like it. We are not animals. And none of us is the devil. The police are not the devil. They're human beings, too. So I don't hate police, I love everybody. I just ask for justice, and I just ask for the court to decide what happened that night. Don't ignore it anymore. And let's all of us care. When one of us dies, all of us die. So thank you for listening to me. (laughs) We all have
2: to stand up.
1: Thank you very much for listening. Um, I want to turn over the mic to Smitty. Smitty, you've been doing this work for a long time, and maybe you can tell everyone here a little bit about the work you've been doing and why you, what inspires you and, and, and what you've been doing to work on this problem for a long, long time.
3: Well, before I do that, Steve, um, I just want to say to Beatrice that uh, uh, my heart is with your heart. And um, the last march I was in, um, I uh-huh made, we all have our ways of expressing our feelings. And my summation is that uh, they are all our sons and all our daughters. Uh, So you are in my heart and you will be in my prayers. These are very critical times uh and i'm (laughs) i'm buoyed by one aspect of development that is happening and that i see Uh, and that is a seemingly really invigorated youth population in current events and specifically the things that are happening in our nation It excites me uh, for for two reasons. One is a a senior (laughs) uh, and a person who's been engaged in trying to do the right thing throughout his life. Uh, But as I get older, uh, we seniors, uh, we're looking for our replacements. (laughs) We truly are looking for replacements. So when I see Alicia, and I see David, I'm saying, yeah, uh, things are going to be happening. Our work uh, centers on uh, trying to offer uh, tools and resources for people to advance the work of access, equity, and social justice. The platform for our work is Amity friendship. And we chose that platform uh, because we look at the sphere of human relationships. And among the, in the hierarchy of human relationships, of course, family is so very important. And immediately after comes friends. Uh, And all of you out there have a best friend. And you, young people, you know, you got your ride or die, you know. And actually, my guy's actually on the screen now, Craig Rothman, whom I've known uh, since he was your age. So that means I'm a lot older than Craig, but I I met him as a he was a student uh, at Harlem Prep uh, back in the day, and he got my attention because he's one of the few white kids here, (laughs) and I was like. who is this kid? What is he doing here? Uh, But we all have these relationships and they prove fruitful. Friendships prove so fruitful in advancing access and equity, but also in educating one another uh, about perceptions, reality, and experience. Uh, But coming back to the center and what we do. Uh, Our our mission is to move beyond what I call the blame-grievance-rejection cycle of racial dialogue, and the way that cycle works is essentially, uh, Steve, white man, I blame you because you've had privilege, you've gotten your status, and all these things on the backs of Black people. Uh, And I grieve it, and I want some kind of uh, adjustment for that. And white people generally uh, say, Well, gee, you know, I feel what you're saying, but it wasn't me. I I didn't do it. Uh, And so we become, we spend a lot of energy in me trying to convince you to understand what your privilege is and you trying to convince me of the goodness of your heart and what you want to do, and we've just lost a lot of ground and a lot of time. However, if we approach that discussion and I get to know you as I'm getting to know you as a friend, I listen to you differently and you listen to me differently because we have a relationship and we have each other's interests at heart. So to the extent that we can create cross-racial, cross-cultural friendships is to the extent that we can create relationships that are indissoluble, that will weather any disagreement. Uh, As you know, friends die for friends. I mean, they do, and they have. So we, we work from that platform. Um, let me just mention two or three programs that we have that hopefully young people will be interested in. Uh, and also, as you can see over my shoulder, I had to put out a little motif up. I hope everybody viewing, uh, particularly young people, will join us this Sunday uh, for Race Amity Day and this dynamic program uh, we have that will be streaming live on YouTube. And we'll have uh, Penn Badgley, Rain Wilson. Uh, we'll have Courtney King Tunis, the co-founding Young Lady of Pantsuit Nation. Uh, a whole bunch of, we'll, we'll have a cameo by David. Uh, but there's a whole lineup of people who are involved with that. So please join us. But just quickly, three programs that, uh, excuse me, that we, um, have that would be of interest uh, to, to uh, young people. Uh, one is our middle school race Amity theater project. Uh, we know the power of the arts uh, and we have commissioned and developed and provided the tools to young people to create this one act play called Zernona and the Grand Dragon X. This play discusses a true story that's almost unbelievable, unless you read the reality and know that it happened, where Zenona Clayton, a black woman in the civil rights movement in Georgia, befriended the grand dragon of the Georgia Ku Klux Klan who was Calvin Craig. He was the grand dragon of the Klan of the state of Georgia. Uh, And over a year and a half of his coming to meetings of the uh, Urban Redevelopment Authority to try and disrupt it, uh, she befriended this guy. She was the director of him. And after, it's the story's in the play. But the long story short is that he called a national press conference, recanted the Klan. And he attributed his recantation to the fact of he had developed a friendship with Miss Zanona Clayton. Uh, but that's an int- the project involves teaching young people and discussing uh, the power of amity, the power of friendship. Uh, and these things are available on our website. Uh, another is a board game that. Uh, the center developed after over almost a three year period. It's called breaking it down towards e pluribus unum. And it's a board game. that's uh, it approaches having race dialogues using a game format. And it's sort of like monopoly. You get dice, you get card, you get little pieces, but the whole, uh, game is based on process of creating relationships among the players so that those difficult questions that make people storm out of a room or go into cursing or swearing, or even in some instances, fisticuts in having (laughs) intense dialogues about race. The relationship is built for the gameplay so that the participants can ask and talk about these difficult questions. And then lastly, um, we have the uh, Amity Great Green Wall Project, which is the National Center's support for the Great Green Wall of Africa. And we are building teams that, and this is an integration of concern for the environment, along with the an element uh, of race amity here in this country, where young people across racial and cultural lines support the uh, development of the Great Green Wall, which hopefully most of you know about, uh, which is going to be the breadth of sub-Saharan Africa to bring about the greening of that nation. The power of that movement is that it was started by African nations, not an externally imposed. But we have a program that enlists young people's participation in that, and I won't go into detail. Uh, and lastly, we have the uh, our Ray Samity Student Moral Mini Clinic, which is where my young brother there, David, uh, we engaged him and uh, his project uh, to bring to young people at our national conference, and uh, we'll, he'll be back this year as well. Uh, and maybe that's a good entree back to everyone for David. Sorry, I hope I. One a little long, but uh, those are the things that we're involved in. And again, uh, I love you, young people. So uh, keep it going. Hey, uh, Smitty. Before we segue to David,
1: does this book look familiar?
3: <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh man, so you pull it
2: out. <laughs> oh. That's this is a wonderful
1: it. book. I've been recommending it, it to everybody called Crossing the Line. But the reason why, when Smitty says uh, he, he loves young people, he he was one of the young people in this book. I read the whole book a couple oh, times. Oh, you did? Oh, my goodness. I love this book. If anyone has a chance to get it, it's called Crossing the Line by Richard Abercrombie. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in. But anyway, I just want to say Smitty's one of the one of the little stars in the book. And
3: that's when you were young. <laughs> just two, two, three years ago oh my goodness yeah yeah uh, it, steve i was a prodigy right
1: <laughs> only a couple years ago anyway let's let, i think it is a great segue i don't want to take david's thunder david um let's let's talk about your programs and, and how you interface with smitty and, and what you're doing uh to help this issue
2: sure and first off thank you steve for having me and smitty and alicia and debbie and um uh, Ms. Roberson, I, I'd also like to echo what Smitty said, your, your loss is in uh, my thoughts and my prayers. And while I know um, what I'm about to say will never come close to uh, uh, making up for the pain you must be going through, uh, we're witnessing on television every day the largest global protest in human history. That's a fact. And Ms. Roberson, your son is a big part of that. And I know from mm-hmm. this, uh, that it changes on its way. So thank you all for having me. Um, I'm here to talk a little bit about what we're, what I've started along with a, a few others up here in the Northeast um, and now around the country. Um, I think what, what we're witnessing right now uh, happening on our city streets across the country is a product of many things that have developed throughout history. Among them uh, is, is a consistent failure at conflict resolution. Uh, we live in a huge country and probably the most diverse country in the world. And unlike any other country in the world, everyone has come at some point in their history from somewhere else. In other words, this is kind of the cultural melting plot of the globe. And our organization, we're a brand new program, the American Exchange Project. Our little uh, idea at conflict resolution is making friends, specifically with high school kids. In other words, we're trying to kind of nip the conflict before it even begins nip it in the butt. Um, and we're doing that through the, the the model of an exchange program, a study abroad. We say study abroad in your own country. How it works is uh, students from, I mean, Alicia, where are you from? California. Okay, Alicia's from California. So let's say Alicia signed up for the American Exchange Project um, as a sophomore in high school. She would be placed in a group of six to 10 students from all over the United States, small towns in Arkansas, inner city Chicago, um, and let's say, you know, the uh, panhandle of Florida. And Alicia, what do you wanna be when you grow up?
0: Um, Right now thinking something in the business sector.
2: Something in the business sector. So we would find any member of ours in our program, we have a whole host of advisors and directors and volunteers who would, uh, Uh, have had an interesting and accomplished career in the business sector, and they would be the moderator of an online group that would check in every week for a half an hour during Alicia's sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school. It would be like her second family, and she would get to know the people from all over the United States in her group and uh, have valuable uh, interactions with an accomplished adult in a field in which she's interested in. On top of that, Alicia would also be part of a wider group of students, uh, about 50, uh, who would interact online via, via Zoom calls, exactly what we're doing now, um, and talk about any number of topics. Um, this year we had a group of kids from Louisiana, Texas, and Massachusetts. We get together every week and uh, topics would range from how do we reconcile uh, the legacy of the Civil War to the Confederate flag to debates about is uh, a hot dog a sandwich? is cereal a soup which my beautiful girlfriend Casey who's here tonight maintains it is I maintains it not it's not it's a point of contention in the relationship I'd like not to get into it right now we have trivia <laughs> night we talk about sports we, we 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 act sillily at times we act seriously at times um and we also bring in a wide range of special guests for our kids to meet as well then um At the end of Alicia's senior year, through a friend she's made in the program, she would, as I've said before, study abroad in her own country. She would go for two weeks to, let's say, uh, a small town in Southwest Louisiana and live with her friend. And through her friend, she would take part in all sorts of um, cultural immersion programs, uh, professional development programs, and then uh, opportunities run through local colleges in uh, in the area. Um, The whole idea here is cultural cross-pollination. The whole idea here is making a more informed citizenry. Uh, If if you're an American, if you're gonna be a a voter, a participant in our country, you have to be informed about who we are and what we stand for. You can do that through watching the news and reading books. You can also do that through hitting the road, learning more about the country you're living in and the people in it. And what our program is trying to do is basically make that more accessible for kids uh, in the United States today, and, and hopefully one day adults as well. Oh, Also, I should add that our, our exchanges are completely free. Um, we, we operate in that way, kind of like a, like a grant writing institution, so no one has to pay a nickel. This is not for only the kids who can pay for it. Um, we are fresh off of a trial year in which we had a tremendous uh, amount of success with about 50 to 60 students from Louisiana, Texas, and Massachusetts. Um, I can happily report that 100% of our juniors are coming back to take part in the program senior year. 100% of our seniors are staying involved in the program, most of them as interns. 93% of our students say they have more empathy from, for different perspectives. 97% think that every kid in the United States should take part in the program. That's what we're doing. That's our little antidote to the problem. And I hope uh, that can be a bit of a springboard into uh, the conversation for the rest of the evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you,
1: David and Smitty. And I'd like to open it up to questions. What I'd like to say is we've got two people who are doing this work. I talk to people every day and people are wondering, how can I help? What can I do? Um, You've got two experts here. Um, I'd love to open it up to questions. Smitty, um you could have taken a, a, a path of anger and a path of, you know, you, you talked about that, you know, the, white, the whites are wrong and, and you, you wouldn't be all wrong. I mean, there's been a tremendous amount of racism in this country and it's done a tremendous amount of damage. And there is such a thing as white
3: privilege, but you chose Amity. So why, um, why Amity? There are a number of reasons. Uh, principally, my direction is impacted, uh, by my religious faith, which is I'm a member of the Bahai faith, uh, and um, uh, in that community, um, I've seen the power of of uh, of, of friendship and its impact. Um, I mean, I can tell, go through just a list of stories about seeing cross racial, uh, cross cultural friendships. Uh, in my younger days, and I grew up in South Carolina in a rigidly segregated uh, community, Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, And uh, in fact, and I'll just try and be real brief in this, one of the most impactful things in my life about race Came from experiences as a kid. I grew up in a family uh, in the Baptist fundamentalist beliefs. Uh, and every, my great great grandfather built the oldest still standing Baptist church, Black Baptist church in the state of South Carolina, uh, Christian Hope. And uh, so I grew up in that culture. And as a kid, uh, and uh, church when I was a kid, uh, an interesting thing would happen. I can remember when I was five, six years old, uh, once a month, this white lady would come to our church, and uh, she'd stand up, she'd come almost the same Sunday every, uh, every month, and she'd stand up and she'd say, uh, my name is Judy Bailey, and I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. And we believe in the unity and the oneness of mankind. And I came to worship with you today. And she'd sit down. That's all she'd do. And, I mean, it was so regular, and I'm not exaggerating. My sisters and brothers, we should call it White Lady Sunday, because she'd show up, right? Well, later on, I got to know this lady through that uh, book that you held up that Steve, one of my best friends in high school, joined the Baha'i faith. We thought he was crazy. Uh, uh, But anyway, I went to my first behind meeting, which was an integrated meeting. And in that home that I went to, I'd never been in a place with white people, period. And I walked into this room, and there in the corner of the room uh, is Miss Annie Hurd, who was my grandmother's best friend in Springfield Church. And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? Well, quickly what I found out is that the little lady, Miss Failey, despite all of the rigorous segregated attitudes in Greenville, South Carolina, she had become friends with Miss Heard after those visits. And she would regularly have Miss Hurd to her home for tea. I mean, this is just beyond the pale unheard of but they had this dear and loving friendship so i witnessed the power of friendship to overcome at a you know an early age and then throughout my life as i uh began to uh uh look at this principle and this idea and then of course uh those familiar with the baha'i faith know that the center of it is the unity and oneness of humanity. And key to that is creating relationships, friendships. Uh, So that's my connect, and I'm sorry to be so long-winded in it. But uh, uh, that's why I'm a a devotee uh, to the idea of amity as a powerful tool to bring change.
1: Something you you said, and actually what you really just said about amity, David. um, I really see your program is really promoting that. And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how your program uh, encourages these cross-cultural and cross-racial friendships. Uh,
2: one thing I've seen is that is that if, depending on how you frame the discussion, depending on how you approach a conversation, friendship happens anyway. And one great lesson that I've seen, so this year we took... Um, uh, a group of students from the rural conservative working class South and a group of students from affluent liberal um, suburbs of Boston. These are kids who some, you know, half of our kids went to high schools where 20% of the kids go to college. The other half of our kids went to high schools where 98% of the kids go to college. You, you can't have two more different beginnings in life than our two groups of kids had. And especially for young people, our beliefs are uh, the product of our of the circumstances or of our experiences, and our experiences are the product of the circumstances in which we're living. So we've got kids with totally different circumstances, totally different experiences, coming together and and chatting, hanging out for several hours a week, because we would approach the idea, approach our conversations with a with an air of kindness, because we emphasize listening over asserting points because we emphasize not that, you know, that if you're angry about something, that's an indicator that you're really confused about it. And if you're confused, then maybe instead of being angry, you should ask a question. Maybe you should admit the shortcomings of your own experience and, uh, and, and try to learn more. That attitude made fast friendships um, because kids wanna listen to one another and our shared humanity, the fact that you know, I'm a son and a brother um, matters much more than the political party or my race or my gender or my sexuality, the, the, the who I am as a human being and my ability to get along and connect with other people, if we approach our conversations with kindness and an ability to admit our own shortcomings resulted in a lot of friendships. Um, and so we never really had rules for our conversations. Uh, We never really had guidelines. I never once, over the course of the 200 and plus hangouts that we held with these students, did I have to break up a fight or even a a bickering match. Um, In fact, about two weeks ago, uh, uh, some of our students from Wellesley, Massachusetts, and some of our students from Lake Charles, Louisiana, were up till four o'clock in the morning on an all night Zoom slumber party and their parents had to go down (laughs) to the basement and and shut the laptop and say, go to bed already. you have to want to get along you have to want to learn more you have to uh you have to want to understand you have to be able to listen and if you can approach it with that then you emerge not just with friendships but with with a greater understanding of of the world and the country we're living in. and and this is a confusing time
1: remember the most important thing we're all in this together we're all in this if we fight for change together we can we can make this change and so to the questions that have been asked can it be done yes but with a lot of effort and a lot of heart and that's where it changes it's in the hearts let's change hearts and once we change hearts to david's point we need to and just what shook was saying we need to change the systems but start with the hearts and one last thing i want to challenge everyone to do don't just talk to the people and david kind of alluded to this too don't just talk to the people who are exactly the same as you. Find someone who looks a little different, who's from a different economic spectrum, different race, different gender. Find someone different, especially now, find someone who doesn't believe that we need change and change their heart.